Yasan, high side from the Ryukyu Kingdom of Okinawa, Japan. You are listening to the Shima Gaijin Podcast with your host, Joe Isamu Davis. This episode is produced by our patrons on Patreon. Stacy Bell, Kazu Davis, Tato Brewer, and Daniel Olson. If you would like to be a producer of the Shima Gaijin Podcast, go to the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Shima Gaijin Podcast. Become a producer by contributing each month and you will receive public recognition on each episode as a producer of the podcast. Please give a rating of the podcast and don't forget to share and follow on social media. In this episode, I am joined by Jeromeski, who is a professional b-boy, dance choreographer, and coach. He is also the co-founder of the group Massive Monkeys, who are one of the top b-boy crews in the world, winning major competitions and world championships. They have also toured with the musical artist Macklemore and were the dancers in the music video Downtown. Give it up for Jeromeski and enjoy the episode. Cherry blossoms. Yes, it smells good. You know, right when you wake up, that good crispy morning and that and uh, that good Seattle summer vibe. That's cool, man. That's cool. I appreciate you doing this podcast, man. Absolutely, man. And and uh, yeah, thank you for having me. And um, I'm excited. I'm excited just you know to talk not only just catch up with you, but also talk about because I know you do martial arts as well. You're heavy into the martial arts scene. And um, a lot of uh, philosophies, concepts, and movements as, as far as the, the tactics go on. Um, of course, breaking is not physical in, in, in combat, but it is physical mentally uh, as far as battling and, and you know, one-upping your, your, um, your person you're battling and, and the approaches behind that. There's, there's a lot of synergy with martial arts and breaking. Right. And the and the mental aspect, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of mental um, warfare kind of going on in your head against your opponent um, when you're battling, and uh, the technique, the techniques. I want to get into that kind of stuff too. Hundred percent, yeah. And also too, what, what's really cool, what's beautiful about the, you know breaking and of course martial arts is it's all, also the the artistic approach, uh, the creative approach. Um, understanding of being in the moment and yet creating and 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 really being in the moment and and uh understanding what's going on at at that time right because you got to be present in order to be successful where um where are you living nowadays i am close to seattle renton okay i'm I'm renton close to seattle 10 to 15 minutes away from seattle okay are you in like in the rainier like near rainier area or i'm more in the renton highlands area okay okay yeah. But where'd you originally grow up, though? I grew up in Berrien. Grew up in Berrien, West Seattle. Berrien. Okay. Okay. Were you born and raised? I was born actually in the Philippines. It's a small city called Ormoc City. It's it's very small. Uh, Manila and uh, Cebu is more of the major cities in Philippines. In Ormoc, you would have to pretty much you wouldn't visit that location unless you had family there. So it's it's literally still a village it's it's bigger now it's more of a city life now but before it was more like a village kind of vibe 
where literally kids until this day, kids still walk a couple miles to to go to school and um, they still have that um, the village kind of vibe. But it's a lot more city life now. But yeah, it's a small small city. When was the last time you went back? I would say I was on tour and um, went there 2017. Usually I go there a, a, every year or every uh, every two years, but I was on a tour and we finished our show actually uh, there at, in Philippines. So it was, it was a very unique experience. Oh, that's cool. You took the whole crew. Actually, we, were, we, were, um, we did a world tour with Macklemore and three of us, we worked with Malcolm Moore and we did a downtown um, music video. We were out, we're choreographers and dancers. And then uh, he asked us to go on a world tour. So we did a few tours and one of the tours was Asia. And um, we ended up the, that tour in the Philippines, which was uh, surreal because I was born in the Philippines, came to US when I was three and never thought breaking out of all things, right? Would uh, lead me to, to the Philippines. So going back so it's pretty pretty cool that's so cool how old are you now yeah 38 38 going and pushing to 39 still doing it <laughs> yeah how old are you now um, i'm 39 i'll be 40 in november man oh my yes, gosh man. See, it's not beautiful things though too right like back in the day when we were in middle school or in our teens when we would think 38 or 39 or or, or people pushing 40 would think that they're super old um not able to be physical but you know look look at you look, you know look at both of us we're we're going we're 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 still challenging ourselves yeah um and it's just it's a beautiful thing with with guys our age uh going for it physically and mentally and and just and pushing pushing the limits well so. I'm, I'm breaking down <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know about I'm, you. I'm, little, I'm feeling, I'm feeling it too. But I just, I just try to, you know, try to be a little more careful in my diet and, you know, stretch yeah. out a little more than usual. I find that but, fascinating because yeah. I, I, I see what you do, and I knew that we were in the close, you know, age range. Um, what, what year did you graduate? Like 2000, 2001? 2001. Yeah. 2001. Okay. So I, gra- I graduated yeah. a year before, so I knew we were in the same, same age range, and I'm fascinated of how you can still you know do it and still grow at the same time it's it's amazing absolutely uh, i think it comes down to the mentality right the philosophy and the psychology behind it and your why right i mean when you're coming up as a kid in any art um when, when you're a beginner or you know either be an adult or you're a kid you know taking on the arts of any kind of art form discipline is just like that excitement right there's like that wow that's cool that's awesome uh, for me, for breaking, it was just, it was really cool. Like, oh, wow, cool, cool moves. And then it's like, wow, you get that social proof. You get to be that cool kid, right? Uh, you get to meet a lot of, lot of people and, and be around the Seattle scene. But um, I, I never knew, like I had, you know, I had really high goals and, and dreams, of course, for breaking, but never thought it would take me to where, you know, that where the experiences I've, I've uh, able to, to travel around the world and, um, not only do world championship competitions, but um, be on world tours and um, be on TV as well too. So a lot of that. But what's what's also intriguing too is just the the aspect of um, meeting people, perspective, giving back, um, seeing these kids, using breaking as a vehicle to help kids 
becomes more self-actualized, uh, confidence, even adults as well too, right? And so just really taking breaking as a way uh, um, to, to, to bring more light to this world. <laughs> you know? So um, nah, it's, it's been a blessing. It's, I can honestly say it's been really cool, but every time we take our competition on or a big show, like we always figure out the why because it's always going to be different from, you know, when you're a kid to after you win a big world championship competition, then why, why do you want to do another competition um, to push you? Right. So, yeah. As you get older, do yeah. you, how do you approach the game differently than you did when you were 20? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because um, when, when you have some, a goal list and you've, pretty much cross a lot of the goals out and, and you've accomplished it. And then there's the next one, like, okay, why? Like, okay, we did the, the competitions. All right, now we're doing the international competition. Okay, we did world championship competitions. Okay, what's next? All right, let's do some TV stuff. Okay, great, did the TV. Now we're doing the choreography and, and the world tour. And at the same time, you know, our passion, my passion is always about coaching and teaching the next generation. And we set a, a break league for the youth and that's still going on. So it's just, there's that raw essence of like that self-expression, that rawness that's, I just want to express it and bring it out. And that battle attitude, I'm a, I'm a battle cat, so I love to battle. I love to, you know, when we battle, it's like a chess game, right? So you got to really one-up your opponent, understand the moment, how to use, how do you uh, ride the music with, you know, it's just like a wave or you're surfing that music, how to use that to, um, within your combination and uh to be present in the moment and really one up your opponent do you study your competition absolutely so i study the competition so i figure out depending on how big the competition is right even if it's a small community center competition so people who uh, don't really know about the breaking where it's at um there's your community center battles right this is for local competition and then you have your kind of, I would say, your state competition where, you know, people come in uh, from different, maybe different cities or different uh, states. And then there's your national competitions, right, where it's like more the West Coast or East Coast competition. Then there's your um, international competitions, right, where you travel and you might travel. In Japan. Uh, we were in Japan a few times and we would be the invited U.S. crew battling the best of the best in Japan, right? That's like an international competition. And sometimes you'll have different from different other countries. And then you have your world championship competitions, which is um, we've done a few times. And it's literally like the Olympics where they take the best, the best, the qualifiers for a whole year. And they take the best of the best of each country. You qualify, then uh, you represent and they pull in the, the top eight around the world. And uh, it's huge. So yes, studying your opponent, um, also understanding who's DJing, because you want to understand how they, they spin the records, what kind of music they're playing, how they cut in, are they watching the b-boys when they're dancing? Um, are they going to cut in the middle? Like you have to really be in tune with what's going on. Are, are they more about playing for um, the, the b-boys and b-girls rather than are they just in there for themselves and just going uh, into their own world, right? So it's like you're trying to figure all those uh, those details out. And then judges, right? Is there a scoring system? What's the scoring system? How are they judging? How is this judge? A judge usually judge, right? What kind of judge is he like or she like? And then even the environment, 
Is it a smaller stage? Is it a big stage? Okay, if it's a big stage, what color is the stage? If you wear all black, your movements are going to be gone if you wear all black, right? If the stage is black. Mm -hmm. Or is it going to be all white? Okay, now how can I pop up? Pop up, uh, pop out with my movements and my small moves, my big moves. If it's like an Olympic stadium kind of stage, which we've literally battled in um, in Olympic stadium in uh, Korea, right, and also in London, their arena, huge arena out there as well too. Um, when you're by yourself in this big, big stadium and the floor is literally like hundred by hundred, right, and you're just there in the center, you can you're going to dance differently. You know, and the spectators are going to want bigger movements, but you got to also keep it with that, the real b-boy essence of originality and footwork, top rock, musicality, um, hitting your freezes and also battling uh, for burners as well. So, yes. Did you, I mean, how did you learn all this? Was this something that you just learned along the way? Did someone teach you these, like a mentor? Or Absolutely. So we started at Jefferson Community Center in Seattle. It's a very, uh, it's a smaller community center. and many people would say you got to go there that's the mecca of breaking and uh top crew at that time was a crew called boss crew and uh, another crew called uh, abc which is a younger generation but in the 90s they were the the b-boys the the crew that was winning all the competitions locally and um before i even went to jefferson community center i tried to get into another crew right another crew called oasis crew and actually, it's a funny story. I actually uh, had a friend that was in that crew and they said, hey, you know, they're looking for new, new talent. You know, I'm, I'm in middle school, right? And they said, all you have to do is battle. And in order to get into a group, in order to get into a team, or what we call a crew, you have to battle the crew. Battle the crew, back and forth exchange. And then if you're good enough, you would get into uh, the crew. You would be worthy enough to get in the crew, right? So that day came when uh, I was to bow into this crew and I practiced for two weeks straight. Keep, you know, keep in mind, I'm in middle school. So I'm like training my ass off, right? The most I ever thought, uh, training like two hours, almost two hours a day, right? Um, and uh, it was me and this other guy in Edinburgh who was trying to get into the crew. So it was two guys and then the crew was about six to seven people. And we went back to back battle for a good like 10 to 15 minutes. And at the end, I was like, all right, so what's up? Am I in, I'm not in the, in the squad. Am I in the crew? And home dude, the leader, right, said uh, the crew is locked. <laughs> the crew is locked. Meaning I sucked. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> That's what that meant? The other, yeah, the other guy got in, right? Oh, no. The other guy got in, and then uh, I did it. And I was, you know, at that age too, I was like, was I mad? I was crushed. Yeah, all that, right? Luckily, my, my, uh, one of my friends, he's like a kind of like an older brother kind of figure. He said, hey, go to Jefferson Community Center. You got to go there. You got to check it out. And I'm thinking, man, I know the best crew practices out there. Like Oasis, you know, they're pretty good, but Boss is like on the next level. Like, how, how can I even hang, right? So I was just like, I was just hungry. I'm like, by all means, let's, let's make it happen. If I got to take the bus, let's go, right? And I'm like, in middle school. So I go take the bus with my bro, with my older brother. And he's talking about the best, the best, like at that time, right, in Seattle. But what I've learned was the crew that was teaching the boss crew, right, the, the older brother figures, the mentors, 
there's a crew called DBS crew. And they're talking about, this is elite. I'm talking about the professionals. They've been dancing since the 80s, right? And um, at that time, there was really not a regular structured class. It's a community center vibe where kids are dancing and uh, DVS crew would dance there as well too. But they, it was never like, all right, we want to take a class. You guys line up um, and here's the instructions. It was more like kids are practicing and you can ask a question if they are available. And if they give you that five minutes or that 10 minutes, maybe 20 minutes, you know, it was that kind of coaching, that, that indirect kind of coaching or that more loose style coaching, which was really dope. But I was very fortunate. They, they, they saw something in me. I was uh, taken under their wing, DVS crew, um, Fever One, Soul One, Sneak, uh, DV One, uh, Hughes, uh, Rays One, a lot of ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, they took myself and a few members of uh, actually, before even Mass and Monkeys evolved, there was a few members of some of the guys. And um, we're just kids. We're all kids, just passionate, yeah. loving to dance. And we then formed Massa Monkeys. And it was two crews. It was two crews that were unknown and crews that were really just raw talent. Nobody knew about us, but we, we loved to dance. And we became friends more than anything first. And that's what created a really unique bond. We, we hanged out a lot. Um, we had a, a Massa Monkey house. We, we lived it, right? Like we we're, weren't just dancing and practicing together we were living it together we would travel together we would have thanksgiving together christmas together um parties hanging out together right it was it was dope it was a really cool time who um <clears throat> when you say you guys came together was there a distinct leader or leaders of the massive mm -hmm. monkeys when you guys started uh, it yeah, so there's, again, the two crews. One crew was called Untouch Untouchable Style Monkeys. Another crew was called Massive, right? Untouchable Style Monkeys consist consisted of uh, Bryson and myself. And then uh, Massive was uh, Terry. Uh, his name is Domes. His b-boy name is Domes and uh, Juice Boogie. So it was just, we literally sat down at Jefferson Community Center, hey, the community center, and said, hey, um, Cool, you guys are dancing? Because a lot of people had, in the late 90s, because we established in 99, a lot of people in the 90s stopped breaking, right? And there's just two crews, two groups of just of just going for it and showing up consistently and just dancing. And also DVS crew at that time, Fever went to New York, right? Um, and he pursued his, his breaking goals out there. And um, yeah, we, we, really, we didn't really have uh straight up mentor there anymore you know like we, there's some guys who come here and there but um it was just two crews two two kids and we just two crews that were just a bunch of kids that just passionate about dance and uh we sat down and said hey let's form a crew master monkeys in my head i'm like what master monkeys that's funny <laughs> we gotta change that but you know what for now i'll roll with it right <laughs> it's just and it just uh, blew up. Um, I did a two-on-two -two competition called Bebo Summit in the West Coast. It was uh, Twix and Juice Boogie, and, and they won that. And that's a really prestigious. That's like, yeah, it's like the nationals for sure. Uh, there's some international cats that, that uh, danced in, in that competition as well. So it was a really big prestigious competition. And then we did this other competition, competition followed that in 2000 called uh, Freestyle Session. And we were still in high school, but we 
you know, for us, we, it wasn't, nobody really catered to us. We earned it. We mowed the lawn. We worked our summer jobs to buy our, our plane ticket or, you know, to save enough money so we can rent a van to travel and literally probably like 15 people in two hotel rooms, sleeping on the floor, getting ready for this competition, training outside in the parking lot in the dark uh, and just going for it. And we did really well. We, we battled uh, what we call super cruise, which was different crews from the best of the best in different states, forming one crew, battling massive monkeys, right? And that's always been our philosophy. Like, we'll battle anybody. Win, lose, or draw, we don't care. Yeah. We're a crew. We got our chemistry. We will learn as a crew. We'll die as a crew. We're so coming for it. So these super crews is almost like a dream team? Absolutely. And, wow. and there's dream teams. Uh, in these major competitions, it's easy to form dream teams. People would ask us, hey, you know, can I battle with you guys? And I'm like, yo, thank you very much. It's an honor that you ask us because, you know, these are big name B-boys. Uh, but we'll just say, hey, you know, we, we're just, we're, our philosophy is not smuggies. That's it. You know? so, yeah. Um, and internationally, same thing. They'll take the best of the best in Korea. We will battle. We will represent USA and we will battle as crew from seattle growing up young and 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 doing this this was your passion did you could you have ever foreseen like now you're like this is what you do full time you're teaching you're you're going to these events did you know that this was gonna this was gonna pan out the way it did did anyone tell you you couldn't do this Absolutely. go get get a real job go to school go you know you know be a doctor be a lawyer what are you doing with your life 1000% 1000% that yeah. was the driving force right so you either i mean it's simple right you either listen to what people are saying to you and saying hey you should do this you shouldn't do that or you should follow your heart to doing what you want to do because at the end of the day you live your life that's it and you either regret it or you're proud of it that's that simple so even early on um i was told even before i even uh, started started uh, to really get into breaking uh people would say what are you doing um you are practicing night and day breaking and you know keep in mind i, I was i was doing good. i would be all right in school you know i would make sure i get my because i know if i don't do good in school if i, I slough or start uh, not paying attention be on point with school i wouldn't be able to break right as as a middle school going to high school um but I had, you know, I had my job as well. I was doing theater, um, breaking theater. I was in this group doing some breaking theater. And then we trained with Mass Monkeys and, and going to school. Everything just on, you know, schedule, all that. But that was my motivation is to prove people wrong, right? Is to make it happen. And uh, as far as, as what we've done uh, uh, and accomplished and have actually experienced, never in my wildest dream. Never. I mean, I would, I would, I would always aim high and dream big, but never would I think I would experience uh, going to Israel or going to Colombia, or uh, you know, going to Korea fifteen times or Japan several times. You know, world tour, uh, going to Europe, um, up and down Europe, and going back and forth, and um, being greeted by the Prime Minister of Japan for for breaking. Right. Wow, that's um, awesome. Yeah, being a U.S. ambassador for uh, uh, in Ukraine for breaking, right? <laughs> so um, having exchange programs where 
I would be in France and my buddy Hossein and I would go to the French prison and teach people how to break because that was one of the programs, right? Uh, going to Philippines and going to a, a safe house where they would save um, uh, sex trafficking victims and they wanted me to be uh, a guest speaker and they're afraid of men. Like how, what am I, how am I supposed to approach this, right? Um, so those unique experiences and um, it's very, uh, it's definitely, I'm very fortunate. Amazing. I want to go back just a little bit to mm-hmm. when did you actually start? Like, you know, someone says, yeah, you know, maybe my parents put me in ballet at five or, you know, my, my dad was a football coach, so I, I did football too, but breaking, how did you get into it? What caught it? Absolutely. Yes. Well, I played soccer when I was um, nine and I, I was, I wanted to be a pro soccer player. I, I would, uh, and it was weird because I would go home after school and then just practice on my own. Maybe 20 minutes, 20 minutes became 30, 30 minutes became 40. And I started to see, I'm, I'm like the, I'm the, um, I'm the youngest out four, right? So being the youngest out four, you can never say anything. Like you, if you get in trouble, you want to get in trouble by just your parents, but you get in trouble by, you know, <laughs> your older sister, your other older sister, and then your brother, right? <laughs> like you have the least to say, you know, say so, right? So, um, I wanted to, to just have my own thing. So even practicing soccer for 20, 30 minutes and then able to uh, show some skills on the field and get that recognition felt cool, right? It felt good. And I applied the same approach with that discipline when it came to breaking. I was just fascinated. I saw an old school um, movie called Beach Street. Beach Street was the thing. VHS tape, you know. CCR, all that, right? Um, and I was just seeing the scene, New York City Breakers versus Rock City crew. And it just blew my mind. I just knew that I had to, I had to somehow try it, right? And then I learned that there was an underground local scene in Seattle and I saw the tapes and that was, blew my mind. And I just, I just, I was just, uh, I don't know, I was just so hungry for it. I was just so hungry for it. And now, years later to, to see everything pan out um yeah it's it's a lot of uh i would say just being at the, uh, the right time at the right place and and just having that moment um and, and capitalizing that moment right yeah how's uh how's glenn doing glenn's doing good i just saw him today Did glenn's you- doing good yeah we, we took some uh photo shoots um it's actually his, his wife christine took some photos of our um our kids at uh, a studio uh, my wife she owns a studio and so we're doing uh, uh pictures for the studio so we had some of my dancers b-boys and b-girls and some uh dancers from the studio and some of our kids our little kid kiddos take pictures so glenn and i were also taking pictures as well too some breaking shots some action shots okay. so he's doing good yeah he was in the army right wasn't he for a while yeah he was actually in the army, uh, saving the world, right? <laughs> Real talk, like special forces. Yeah, special forces. Man. Yeah, incredible, incredible. Is he still breaking? Is he still part of Massive Monkeys? And absolutely, yeah, hundred percent. He's he's still breaking. Um, he's definitely staying active. He taught some headspin workshop classes to my my 
breaking students, my dance students. And he's, he's doing it. He's doing it. Your wife's a dancer as well. Yes. So interesting story. She used to dance for the Sonics. And um, when we had Sonics, we started dancing for the Sonics in 2004. But we had our own, uh, own group. And it was basically um, what you see now in the NBA is all these breaking groups. Um, but we were we were the, the test subjects, basically, <laughs> see, to see if it would work. So 2004, 2005, we got a call from the Sonics, said, hey, you know, we want to see if we're trying to form a group. We want to see if you guys can try it for it. So we went in there and did our routines to just, you know, put something together for the director and the, the dance team director as well. And um, they liked it. And we were called the Boom Squad. So it was basically Massimo, he's in a few others who uh, did all these uh, uh, halftime shows. We also did um, timeouts as well, too, for the songs. It, was, it became really successful to a point they, they wanted us to do the NBA All-Star the first year. And, and uh, yeah, we kept on coming back until they left <laughs> in 2009. Yeah, that so, was yeah. crazy when that happened. I remember I was you know still here in Japan, obviously, and <clears throat> I'm watching the news. I'm like, what? Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah, that last it. year, that last year was weird because we're like, are they leaving? Are they not? And people didn't know. Even the directors and the high up uh, did not know what, how to react to it or what was really going on. So, yeah, yeah. Going uh, talking about the choreography and the stuff that you do, um, and I was reading the Massive Monkey website. Uh, you guys, as as a crew, do a lot of choreography, like together i think like during the, your battles does that make sense yes. am i saying that right so mm -hmm, absolutely so with uh when it comes to shows uh, we have to know our audience right and so with the audience of the nba audience they want to just see big movements power moves pattern power moves pattern movements like the windmills head spins coin drops because when it comes to battles there's a lot more than just power moves and flips and tricks there are your original moves, there are your footwork, your top rock, uh, utilizing all the big moves, the flips, tricks, and combining to a package, and and also having music with it. You know, utilizing the music to to make a moment, uh, to to make uh to, to win that round right in battles. But when it comes to shows, or it's really about okay, what's the audience? All right, cool. I, you know, would you rather do a simple power movement or do 20 different moves that you would do in the battle, but people won't really understand the language of it um, in, a, in an arena, right? So we would do big pattern movements, but also we'll do our signature uh, blow-up signatures that we've created uh, routines, right? So we would combine it with, with some of our dancing as well, too, of course, and uh, make it appealing to to the arena audience. But that was something like distinctive that you guys did, right? A lot of crews didn't do that. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. we we have a signature routine. It's called the statue, where uh, JD and myself will go onto. I will go onto his shoulder. He will lift me up. We do a thing called the arm bar, where uh, two members will hold literally like a, a bar. There would be another person right here, and then the person in the, literally would run in the middle and start. <laughs> like an arm, like a, a bar, right? Like a kid would play in the playground and it started uh, spinning. Uh, there's the thing we call the lean, which is like the Jackson lean, where literally a person would hold on the floor and the person would lean. Um, 
So those kind of ideas that we brought to breaking into the, the dance world, a lot of originality. Um, that's, I think that's what makes breaking very unique than other dance styles uh, is not only can you bring and have uh, all the moves or as much moves, because it's not about having moves, how many moves you have. The more moves, the better, right? That means the more tools you have, right? Just like in martial arts, the more tools you have, the more you can utilize it and maximize it. Just like in break, the more moves you have, cool, that's that's your toolbox. But how do you use that toolbox? How do you use that in that moment um, and, and really maximize that in, in that platform, right? Either be a, a show, theater show, a cypher, which is a circle and people are just dancing, a battle, right? Or like a show, like a, at the NBA halftime shows. So it's just yeah. different kind of platforms and maximizing. So you guys, like, do you have like a call sign or something for, you know, these moves or yeah. just like the ones you just said? Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay. So what we'll do, um, if it shows, we would understand what would, what would happen. Like, okay, cool. Let's do uh, this two eight count top rock into the statue, right? Or all right, we work on this choreography set with the music because we would have what we call um, call out, like we call it commandos, right? Where it's like, all right, it's too cool. Let's do this commando, CC commando, footwork kind of commando uh, movement into the, the Red Sea top rock that would go into um, a routine that, uh, a new routine that the guys just created, right? So we'll stack and stack. Or if it's a show, we would have a set choreography uh, right from the beginning when you hear the music, right? And then, um, then you would dance from beginning to end. But when it's more loose, uh, more like we're going, they're going to play music. All right, we call it the routines in the moment, and then we also do solos and free, uh, freestyle, right? But when it comes to battles, when it comes to battles, it's a whole different ballgame. Battles for us is our, uh, is I would say, uh, is, is the hardest thing. Right, because you have to be in the moment at and understand what's going on. If it's a crew battle, literally seconds count. Right, we were in Korea doing a big battle, R16. Um, the biggest battle right now is on YouTube, the breaking most, I think it's at maybe 70 million right now. And for breaking, wow. that's huge, right? That's it's really big. I think 70, I might be wrong, maybe more. I don't know, but it was a uh, undefeated uh, Korean team. Jinjo crew uh, for that battle. They, they're returning champions versus Mass Monkeys. Uh, you represent US. And literally, it was back to back. And, and knowing and understanding, we would have call outs and we would uh, know what we're going to do before the battle, but we would understand that there, there would be two, three routines that we would call out. But we would even also have audibles. So we're to do a routine that round, but want to do a solo, then we'll audible. Or a person who was doing this, uh, the crew who was battling us would do a, um, a routine and we wanted to counter it. We would call it out, but everyone, eight members would have to know. So within seconds, literally like five to 10 seconds, everybody would have. So if a person was doing the round uh, that was battling us, they're doing the freestyle round or the round uh, we would literally start to form in the back um, and get ready to to counter it with the routine if it was audible. So everybody, it's it's all team chemistry to the fullest. How many people uh, in your in the crew? Woo! Well, we're we're a, um, <laughs> yeah. So we're we're a hip hop um, crew. So hip hop meaning you know the four elements of hip hop, right? 
emceeing, which is people know as rapping, graffiti artists, uh, DJs, we have DJs, and of course the dance, B-Boys and B-Girls. So I want to say a collective of 32. Uh, some members are, um, some members are more, you know, not really as active, but they're still down with the crew. Um, now we're at that older age, you know, a lot of people have families and a lot of people are, you know, going on doing their other things as well too, but there, there is still a core of, I want to say 12 that are very active, doing battles, uh, doing shows, and teaching, coaching and teaching. If you're going to go into a competition, do you guys set some sort of rule? Obviously, maybe like you have to show up to X amount of competitions. You got to commit to this. Um, you just can't, just because you're part of the crew doesn't mean you just show up day of, right? How's that 100%, work? Yeah. 100% because it's a it's a commitment within the crew. Like, hey, if you're not going to show up and go into the competition, don't waste our time. I mean, that's simple, right? Because it's, and there's moments too when, when we're younger, which was a little harder because, you know, when you're younger in your early 20s, um, I would say the most part, people who really were committed 100%. Um, but we would, before a big competition, we once, well, we did a few times, would actually sit in a round table and talk and, and figure out why. Like, why do you want to do this? You know, why are you going to commit two months? Why do you want to do this? You know, what's, what's your reason? And so we started to understand each other a little more of, of where we're at, get, get each other on the same page, and then elevate the psychology of that, right? So when we know that it's more than just about us, our own purpose, when we know it's, it's a, there's a bigger purpose behind it, then we can excel to that, right? So um, those, those are my favorite moments because you get to see everybody come together, right? And, you know, I was asked before, because there's this other big competition called Rebel BC1, which is the biggest uh, solo competition in the world right, sponsored by Rebel. Um, and then you have your big competitions, your crew competitions. Uh, a few years back, it was called R16. And we won the World Championships at R16. Um, and someone asked, you know, would you rather win a solo battle or a, a crew battle? I'm like, easy. I would rather win a crew battle because you get to celebrate with your, your closest friends. You get to see that journey from like literally because Master Mugs, I, I know mm-hmm. I know each individual. Um, like we've been around each other, so we, we know each other um, a lot, right? We we know our struggles, we know what we had to go through, you know, what we had to face, our our uh, moments, our wins, our lowest moments, and to actually experience a, a high moment which will forever will be a, a, a highlight and a, a definitely a, a legendary moment for individuals um, to celebrate that. Amazing. You know, they'll see in videos where it's like, oh, yeah, you know, they look like they're having time of their life. Oh, we are having a time of our life and some because we understand the struggle. So it was, and it's years in the making, not like one year or two years. We're talking about like decades, right? Like 10 to fit, you know, to, we're now 20 years, 21 years now uh, as a crew because we started in 99, but uh, that right there is just more rewarding than anything else, right? So bring with your friends. What's what's your training regimen like nowadays? Like a typical- it depends, man. Uh, you know, when you're when you're like 20 years in the game, it's not like you're <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to train four hours a day, right? Like I, I used to in high school, um, or two hours or three hours, right? It, it just depends. So you know, I got kids now too, as well too. I'm I'm always active, so I'm always working out. I'm coaching seven seven times a week. 
teaching coaching seven times a week and in between that i'm uh i'm, I'm working out training i'll i'll get into some creative mode training which i'm just trying to create moves and, and ideas um now that if, if, if there's a competition then i'll put myself on the schedule right uh, my wife has a business you know i have my business as well too so i'm just i'm going for it and and figuring out a schedule to to make sure it works out with her schedule makes make sure it works out with the kids schedule right yeah and to make sure it works out with my work schedule i'll have that time to to train you know that one hour 45 minutes sometimes and then maybe two hours lucky if i get lucky or waking up um early to train i was we were working on this uh competition which i had to wake up earlier than everybody else just so i can have my personal time just things like that right do you incorporate any kind of weight training or yoga, anything else outside of just dancing? Absolutely. I'll do some yoga with my wife. <laughs> That's something she likes to do. Right? So I'm like, right, you doing yoga? Uh, all right. I'll do yoga with you. I'm like, it's, it's good for my training, but I'll, yeah. I, I like doing hot yoga. That's, that's my okay. favorite. But since it's been COVID, right, I haven't done that for a whole year. Um, but yeah, I'll do some weight training. Um, I'll also do some um, some basically just just interval training, right? I was doing some. Uh, I do a thing called break fit, which is pretty much breaking uh, movements and dance with uh, some whole body wor uh, workouts, right? So that actually has worked out as well too. That I do that uh, once a week, so it actually gets stays uh, gets me up up to par of what's going what's out there and, and what how people are working out. And infuse it with some ideas, some breaking ideas that I have. Um, but yeah, man, I'm I'm open. I'm I get open with what's out there. I was I forgot what it's called, but I was doing this um workout where that actually puts a suit on me, and I would get some electric stimulation. I'll do some workouts. Um, but I was trying that for a while. But I, I'm really um, open and intrigued about you know trying new things and ways to maximize my body. And even this is uh, my mentality as well too. The uh, the studio. When did that open? That opened in 2013, and uh, due to COVID, we had to, to shut it down for for a moment and to look for a new location. But what was incredible about that studio is we actually had a home, right? We actually had a home where we could have late night practice sessions and um, sessions where we need to work on choreography. Or also we had at school programs there. I had my breaking league there as well too. We also had a lot of cool special guests that came around the world. Yeah. Uh, so it was a it was a dope moment, and it'll it'll come uh, back for sure. Um, but it was it was a moment where we we could just go back there and just practice and train and hang out. Was it originally just the the training spot? Or, and then eventually you started adding these classes and things for kids and all that, or? It was, it was full on Bryson, uh, Angelus, um, Massa Monkeys, co-founder as well. Um, he's the one who directed that. So it was pretty much a hub of, of breaking classes, street dance styles, uh, classes. And, uh, at Friday night, they had open sessions for the public, for people who just wanted to train. But it would be uh, it would it would have classes from Monday through Saturday, yeah. So it was a cool moment. It was a really dope, um, fun, fun, uh, 
good energy and fun energy in the studio. So uh, how many, how many classes are you teaching or before COVID? I mean, but yeah, well, uh, at the same time, I was always teaching at my wife's studio. So I've been okay. at my wife's studio for 10 years. And, you know, she has a studio where they, they teach ballet, jazz, tap. Um, and I do the breaking, uh, I direct the breaking program there. But right now I'm there at seven, seven, with seven, uh, yeah, different classes from pre-level kids classes to, uh, to adult classes, right? But I have about six different levels now, six or seven different levels. From beginners to pre-pro, what we call it. It's pretty much uh, students who are um, getting ready to take it to that level, right? To that yeah. a higher level. So it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, w- when COVID hit, um, we adjusted and we did virtual classes. And now we're doing hybrid. So we're doing part, um, you know, having people virtually teaching half the class virtually and teaching half the class in person. So yeah, you really had that. to get creative during COVID. It's... Uh... Yeah, man. You know, like, um, it's, it's, I was just talking to Glenn about this. Either doing it or not. Like, either COVID is going to be the thing where it's like, all right, cool. I won't do it. Or I'll pivot, I'll make it happen and, and hustle and do what I got to do. Right. So I was doing um, virtual shows on Zoom. Right. I was, uh, of course, virtual classes and virtual coaching as well so yeah how, how is it out there in japan now with covid yeah so i'm like i'm in a weird situation so i, I work for the military so I'm, i i i work on the military base so then i'm affected by the rules um so for okay. on, on base we've slowly started to come back to where we can practice um, my kids judo class there's no contact so all we can do is do a warm-up um, practice our falls because in judo we do a lot of throwing so we're mastering how to fall and then uh, i'm just doing like interval workouts hip workouts and then i also teach jujitsu on the marine corps base out here and uh, we're full contact but we have to wear a mask so it's kind of weird off base they've kind of run things normally um, you have to wear a mask though but i, I can't participate right now off base so it's kind of weird i'm stuck in between these two worlds God. right now yeah. Wow. Yeah. So so let me ask you this and how did you uh how did you keep how, how do you keep yourself balanced right now, right? Like mentally because I know like you want to go in there and you want to train, but you know you kind of this weird uh, moment like what have you been doing um during the whole covid um to mentally be be there and to, Yeah, it's you know, I I ain't gonna lie, I did fall off the rails, you know for a few months um, and then slowly got back into it. But, you know, I, I take it day by day, um, just find different creative ways to, to stay in shape. You know, I try to stay away from the gym, um, do a lot of outside working out cool. um, for a while in the beginning when things, we didn't know what was going on. This whole COVID thing was kind of scary. Did a lot of just in the house, solo trainings and things like that. Did a lot of video, um, you know, watching online, in, uh, instructional tutorials, things to kind of sharpen my game mentally. Um, but really, I think now that things are starting to get back slowly, it's just, you know, day by day. And I can, I can see that we're slowly starting to get back to the, to the light and to the finish line. But yeah, it's been tough. It's been really tough. I haven't really done any real judo uh, or jujitsu in about a year. It's crazy. Wow. 
Yeah. Yeah. I haven't had any group training with my crew for a year. Right. Um, we did this show. Um, no audience, but it was, it was a show and it was going to be on what well, was on um, social on YouTube. Right. But <clears throat> it was the first time I seen the, we went and did rehearsals before the show. And it was the first time I'd seen the guys. And of course, we're all masked up and everything and, and being really careful. But it, it was you know, guys I've seen almost on a kind of like weekly basis, then I don't see them for a whole year, right? And yes, we had some Zoom chats here and there, but it's just not the same, right? Yeah. So after seeing, uh, actually, you know, for rehearsals after a whole year, it's just different. It's like, wow, okay, you feel the energy, right? You can, you can uh, understand, like, okay, cool, that's, that's my guys, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And especially as dudes, right? Like, we need that guy time. To be real, you know, it's just it's just different. We need our personal time, guy time, and um, yeah, man, the whole the whole COVID, it, it's it is. I'll be very surprised if people didn't struggle, right? Like, right, it's everybody had to struggle in some way somehow. That's just what it was. It's just it's going to hit you in different from left, right, up, down, you know. Uppercuts, haymakers, all of that, man. <laughs> and yeah. it's just about either roll the punches and make something out of it, and um, and it's like when you're ready to go and, and try to try to move forward, then then you go, you know. But it's, so, what happened to the studio? Now. I mean, um, are you was were they able to like to pay the rent or? It it was just more of um, you know, I think. Bryson and you would have to talk to Bryson, um, but it would it was more about just the timing, you know, the timing yeah. when COVID hit, and also you know just just trying to figure out the logistics behind it, if you know if it was a smart savvy way to to continue to move forward while COVID hit, um, is is a struggle, right? Like a lot of dance studios, a lot of businesses were just falling, you know, left and right, and um, yeah, man, it's it's it was definitely um it was it was a real it was, it was a it was a moment it was like okay all right i hear you and how can we support you um and it was i, I just know that it's at, at, you know after a, i don't know exactly how many months or what's going to go on what's the next move but you know we're we're always going to move forward um we have the massive monkey day coming um soon as well too which is the, our, our anniversary but yeah, man, it's it was a moment for sure. When's the massive monkey day? What day is that? September, the first week of September. Uh, the official massive monkey day is in, on uh, April 28th. April 28th is official massive monkey day where the mayor of Seattle actually uh, uh, gave us an official holiday for winning, winning the world championships, our first world championships. That's so awesome. A long time ago. Yeah, in 2004. Yeah, it, was, it was a surreal moment because... He actually came to our practice spot with his, uh, his security, right? And he would just he would sit there and just watch his practice and just watch us for a few minutes with all his peoples, right? Like they're all in ties and everything. We're all in our our street clothes and our warm ups <laughs> and everything and just dancing. We're like they're looking at us, but we're not going to look at them. And, <laughs> and then um, and then a few minutes later, he actually gave us. Uh, like an award and made a uh the talks and officialized it so it was pretty cool so what are you guys gonna do on the uh you said the 28th of april 
Oh, oh, actually, April 28th is the official Master Monkey Day. And okay. each year we, we have a jam. And it's, you know, literally, it's really not about us. It might be a Master Monkey Day, but it's really a celebration for everyone. So we'll bring in special guests internationally. We have a really big, uh, I would say, a world-class competition. Mm-hmm. And what's, what's very interesting about Master Monkey Day is it's not about the competition. It's about the vibe. It's about having fun. Grandmas, grandpas would come in and and go to the show box where we uh, usually have it and and you got little kids dancing in cyphers you're talking about five-year-olds six-year-olds and then you have the professionals on stage and you have all these circles going on it's this cool energy and everybody's having a good time and uh it's actual jam Um, competition is one thing where you know you see people compete that's cool but jam is like a vibe it's like a it's like an energy sort of like a nightclub with a with everybody dancing and it's not just breaking this this uh, street style dance and uh it's pretty cool but the uh, actual massive monkey will be in september oh, pushing okay. it back yeah because of covid so trying to make it work tell me about uh way of breaking how did that come about yeah so way of breaking um i did a documentary and uh did a documentary slash it was like a documentary and tutorial uh, called way of the b-boy a while back in 2008 at that time there's a lot of cheesy tutorials and on youtube so my buddy and i um matt cherikoff and chad Ross, i was like hey man i, I want you some uh, tutorials and some uh tutorials not just teaching moves but uh the psychology behind it you know what it, you know, how do you flip a move? Meaning, how do you make it original? How do you see something, get inspired, and not just take it, but actually utilize it and then flip it to build on it? And then you can call it your own, right? Because when you take a move, it for us, you know, those are your fundamental moves, which is like, okay, have the foundation of fundamentals, right? But then you, when you copy or bite a move from somebody, then that's a stealing, right? So even philosophies of like, okay, don't bite, you know, get there and, and get motivated to innovate. Um, even uh, those kind of philosophies. So we, I will teach a tutorial and then a tutorial and then there'd be a, more of a, a psychology message behind that. Like, okay, what is crew? Here's a crew routine and how did we come about creating this routine? What's chemistry like? Um, what's, how do you battle, right? What is style? You know, style is not just, your movement style is the way you dress from head to toe. Where'd that come from, right? So we'd revisit uh, cats who danced from the 70s and we would interview them. Um, and it was more, you know, I'm a big martial arts fan. So I, I saw a Way of the Dragon, right? So I'm like, man, Way of Breaking, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and you know, uh, Bruce Lee would, you know, Way of the Intercepting Fist, right? And I'm a big Bruce Lee fan. And I've read a lot of Bruce Lee stuff and really studied him and uh, Way of Breaking. Um, in a way of b-boying now involved to way of breaking and it's a lot of my tutorials and more of a it's a psychology behind it but it's for beginners to intermediate and cats who really want to dive into the, the artistic appreciation of, of it right because a lot of people see these cool stunts and moves which is cool you know cool moves but when you get behind the the um the art element of it when you get really fascinated of of like okay that's cool you got moves you got the tools now how are you gonna utilize it with music like how how does it change you right from dancing to a rock song to 
dancing to a smooth jazz song, right? So it's it's more than just movements. It's just it's just a way, right? So called way of breaking. When did that launch? That launch, well, way of breaking actually launched during COVID. So okay. I had all those videos because I've I've used those, used those videos for a lot of coaching that I've done, and now it's, I just put it in the package. So I, I have you have your fundamentals, some foundation fundamentals, okay, videos, and then you have your um your I would say your psychology videos, which is how to battle, how to cipher, how to freestyle, um, and also musicality, right? So how to use the music, how to learn how to listen to the music. And then you had your workout element, which I would put through on uh, the break fit aspect to that. So it was just a, a one package. Um, there's a lot of information out there, right, on YouTube. And you can learn the moves. That's cool. But way breaking, it's like not just you're learning the moves, but you also understand the culture of it. So I do have way the B-Boy on there, the movie as well, too. Okay. So you get all these videos all in one package. So it's like your, your, your mecca source for breaking, just your go-to to simplify it, right? So I would have it for my students and have for people uh, who don't know anything about breaking and people who have been in the game for a while just to, just to understand more and deep dive, right? Yeah. What do you got? What do you have planned uh, in the future? I mean, I know we're still dealing with COVID, but what do you yes. have on the agenda? So right now I have um, my wife's studios having a recital, right? So gearing up a lot of classes for recital. I have another residency coming up um, for school that uh, Anna Banana Freeze from Master Monkeys and myself, we, we would uh, take over a whole entire school and teach kids. So we would usually uh, pre-COVID, we would go into PE classes, right? Uh, you know how they had jump rope for heart or they yeah, would have a do-si-do, yeah, yeah. right? Like now we're doing for breaking. So we'll come in and, and teach for two weeks or two a month. And, and take on each grade and give them a, a, a teach them a dance routine and teach them how to freestyle. And uh, it would be a, a huge event. That, that's super fun for us, as, especially as uh, dancers have been dancing for a little while to see that um, kids be engaged with what breaking is really dope. And um, then I have some competitions, right? So I, I haven't been competing um, for a while as far as, uh, you know, in my 20s and even early 30s would compete back to back. But now as we know, we're selective um, of what competition and it's just really about what, what do we want to prove, right? And literally at, at the end of the day, it's like, we want to, like for this competition coming up, we just want to have fun. We want to celebrate. And um, we want to go out there and, and be kids again and <laughs> just go out and um, just have a goal in mind to, to really elevate and push ourselves right mentally and physically and especially now we're in that very later 30s um <laughs> we want to go out there and do it man we want to shock the world so there's that coming up in summertime and then i have a, a, another competition to judge a big one um more in fall but yeah man so and with that with the kids you got kids too right no i don't okay yeah okay. i got I got I got some dogs and a cat and my wife's got a big right. family so you know I'm I'm a that's cool attached. yeah yeah very family oriented that's what's up man yeah that's awesome dude you look good man you look really good you haven't changed I'm trying man I'm I'm trying I'm trying <laughs> I'm I'm making I'm making it work I'm trying <laughs> must be that special tea you're drinking yeah this green tea <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
So uh, hold on. How long have you been doing martial arts now? And what kind of martial arts styles are you doing? So uh, I do judo and jujitsu and Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Okay. Um, I started cool. judo when I was maybe about, I think about five is what my dad said. So my dad originally wow. learned judo when he was living in Tokyo as a student back in wow. the 70s. Yeah, that's where he first started. So when he came back to the U.S., um, he was, you know, basically my first judo instructor. So I've been doing it for over 30 years. Wow, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And then you did have you done several competitions, right? Like, um, what, can you tell me more? I don't really know too much about the judo world with competitions. Like, I'm sure it's sort of maybe like breaking where there's yeah. some levels, right? Yeah, you you know, you have your grassroots uh, competition, mm -hmm. your local competitions. And I did a lot of that back in Washington. And then you do have, you know, national and international competition worlds. But I've never, never got to a high level um, mm. where I fought internationally. Um, I did a couple of national competitions. I did okay. I didn't place. And then uh, I just been training. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you know, with breaking, it's who you are. It's what you do every day. Um, you love it, right? It's, this is, this is something that I'll be doing in, until I die. So it's... Uh, exactly yeah part of my exactly, world you know right. exactly man and that's and that's the thing we're, we're breaking now um a lot of practitioners are doing it because in the 70s it was like the new thing okay right. cool and um and then a lot of dancers in the 70s you know they, they've kind of just chilled out and the 90s generation which is my 90s generation which is my uh, generation we you know we learned to the history, the raw essence of the dance, and then we also know where it's going. I mean, it's going to the Olympics in 2024, right? So um, it's just like what you're saying, right? It's just who we are. It's what we do, and we'll, we'll I'll keep on dancing until yeah. whenever I can. You know, my, my oldest student, amazing, such an inspiration. He is now 71, maybe 72. 71. I think I saw you Same post a video recently. Yeah, What's his name? I think Scott Oki. Scott Oki. Scott Oki. He's he's a he's a big dog in Seattle. Uh, he's basically one of uh, he's Bill Gates' right hand man, right? So he he was a director in marketing of uh, international sales, I believe. But I didn't know anything about him, right? When I first met him, and um, when I first did the first session, I mean, when I did the session with him, I'm like something's different about this guy, right? Like he moves and is moving really fluently and just had a, a certain vibe to him and then i was asking him a few questions he was doing martial arts he was doing all these cool from um, of course he would do golf but also he was just just going and and really going full throttle with his disciplines that he wanted his extra disciplines he wanted to do and doing a lot of art stuff and then uh, over the years i got to know him and he is just an inspiration and he's still, he's, I started teaching him in 60, when he was 65, 60, yeah, 65, 66. I've done a few shows uh, along with him, um, Massive Monkeys as well too. And this last one we just did um, a few, few weeks back and he's going for it. He, he does it, he gets it and he has his musicality, he has his own style. And it's just really, honestly, uh, really dope just to see him get down at, early 70s man yeah <laughs> early 70s so and that right there opened up my mind like yeah there's no excuses i mean if you want to dance dance that's it right if you, if you can't hit the floor or 
hit these big moves. Nah, it's not about that. It's about the groove and the moment with the music, and it's fun. That's it. Yeah, you know, if you if you look at a lot of people who live a long time, I mean, you see that a lot of them like to dance, like to go out and have a good time. Man, that's what it's all about, right? It's all yeah. about just this grooving, dancing, and connecting. Positive and, energy, uh, endorphins, all of that, right? It just plays a factor in in life and longevity. 100%, man. Yeah. 100%, right? Like just applying yourself to an art form, right? Applying uh, yourself and and having a, a goal to just, just better yourself. You know, you don't have to be a world champion. Just show up, do your very best of what you have of, of, of you know, COVID or not COVID. You can't, you know, like for us, it was like, all right, I can't teach you physically one-on-one or I can't have uh, classes in person. So we got to do virtual and it's not the same, but we roll with it, make it happen. Yeah. And, you know, it's, that's it, right? You, you go with it. You, if you're doing it or you're not, and then, you know, you know that everything is going to get better, but this is what it is, and you just go with it. We're just on the topic of of martial arts. Um, there's a, a two brothers who are uh, pretty well known in the jujitsu community, um, and I guess originally they were break dancers before they got into Brazilian jujitsu. Do you know who I'm talking about? Gio Martinez. Yes. Mm-hmm. I've heard about them, man. Okay. I heard about them. Uh, my buddy um, told me about them and I've heard about them from another person as well too. Um, and they're, they're incredible, right? Yeah. They're, they've, yeah. They've, they're doing a lot of big things. Um, but yeah, they had their style on the breaking scene. What, you know, they had more of a flexible style, right? They had yeah. a very flexible style and now applying it to um, the arts now and jiu-jitsu i mean yeah yeah i think that right. it was just like an easy segue for them to just transition to it you know which is yeah, amazing absolutely and and b-boys are so used to the ground level so used to maneuvering the floor from from different positions yeah. from spinning to the right shoulder to the left shoulder to the balance to going up down um we're, we're used to that we we understand that we kind of trying to be one with the floor um but yeah, that's awesome, man. So how are they doing now? Like they're teaching and coaching as well, too, right? Yeah, I think they're they're based out of California. But um, yeah, I just always that's thought awesome. that was pretty cool. Oh, with the Olympics, really cool. with the Olympics, uh, you said breaking is going to be in the Olympics in twenty twenty four. Are you active in that for the U.S. side in any way, or we'll, we'll see? You know, it's, it's yeah. still early um, right now, and there's still a lot going on. But definitely. Uh, you know, with Massimux and I would say our experience, uh, we won the world championships uh, twice and have 10 inter- international titles. Um, so we do understand what it takes. Uh, we do know the psychology behind it because you can have a really dope B-boy that's successful, but it does not make them a great coach, right? Just right. like any practitioners, right? So um, we do understand coaching. And we do understand what it takes. So, yeah, uh, we'll see. It's early on, and um, they're still trying to figure out what, you know, concrete being the body for, you know, for U.S., having a U.S. committee and and being official because you have to go through this process, step-by-step process. Yeah. So it's still in the early stages. But, uh, yes, where we want to be part of it some way, somehow. Um, And to be honest, you know, some people are against it as far as having breaking to the Olympics, but 
so long for me, my perspective is if people are educated and the general audience are educated of what this dance is all about, where it comes from and where it's going and respect the people who came before us, then it's cool, man. Like I believe that if everything goes well, um, people are going to, it's, it's going to blow their minds because they will see how people will come together for, for breaking. It's incredible. It, it's very different. You know, I, I've been in several big jams where different countries from all around the world don't know how to talk to each other, right? Like there would be B-boys from, from Asia, Europe, um, everywhere, and they don't, they, don't, they don't speak the same language, but they're all dancing and hanging out together. They can feel that vibe and that energy. And it's a beautiful thing, you know, beautiful. So I believe that vibe and that energy will be there. Uh, like that in the Olympics and people are hating on it now because they don't understand it because they think it's uh, sort of like the gymnast and these b-boys coming from the streets and they're dancing on cardboard yeah and, uh, I mean they just they, they don't know they just don't have the knowledge yet but once the whole world sees how beautiful the art form is and how people will come together and see uh, the level of where it's at and and the psychology and the, the philosophy behind it it will blow their minds but it has to be done right. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. I know it's late over there, so I appreciate making the time to, to do this. This is awesome. I hope we can do it again. Absolutely, man. You know, we'll, we'll build and I uh, appreciate you. And thank you so much uh, for having me on this. And uh, yeah, man, good to catch up with you. Yeah, likewise. This time, you know, we'll, we'll catch up more often and we won't have a like a 10-year span i know i think the last time i saw you was probably like in a club like eight years ago or something i can't remember Man, right i, I think it's it was always you been and, like i think it was you and twix yeah first time I met JD. yeah yeah i just talked to jd uh, uh a while back we're actually that's the guy i'm, I'm trying to everything goes as planned that's the uh the other guy i'm, I'm gonna uh compete with Okay. For this big competition. So is he still in Washington too, or did he move somewhere? Yeah, he's in Vegas, man. He's okay. in Vegas doing it. He's he's part of the Vegas uh that Magic Mike crew. <laughs> oh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah, he's that good he's on him, man. One one of the people is from Magic Mike. Now he's he's doing it, man. And what's what's beautiful about um you know with with Massive Monkeys and Massive Monkeys is a b-boy crew and there's just a lot of um I'll say First and foremost, like Massive Monkeys, we're, we're just friends first, right? And out of that, like that synergy, a lot of uh, a lot of guys, you know, have really elevated to a point where, you know, they get to fill their dreams. And yeah. the platforms are there. They want to do jams and, hey, do jams. Go ahead, cool. Massive Monkeys, they, uh, they want to give back and coach the youth. You know, we're doing that. We got the breaking league. We got the after school programs. Um, they want to do the ongoing classes and they still want to compete, right? Um, it's there and it's it's been pretty cool. So yeah, JD is definitely uh, doing his thing, man. He's going out there and <laughs> it's it's always awesome because he's talking to him too. And yeah, you know, when, when we when we hit the floor, we always have that good vibe, that battle attitude, that connection. Let's go, you know. So. I remember uh, that uh, I did see uh, a highlight video of when you guys won that that world championship. I think, didn't he correct me if I'm wrong? Wasn't there like the very end, it was like a solo battle 
And at the end, Twix, didn't he have to battle? Oh, and, yeah. That's and, the first one. That's in 2004. Was it like an Wiggly. overtime kind of thing? Like, uh, Yeah, that was a moment, man. We were, we were early 20s, right? First time in, in London. And um, it was the big, it was our biggest competition. Um, LL Cool J was the, uh, was like the man, MC, right? They were doing it big. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, quick, quick story, right? Yeah, yeah. This is this is like one of, uh, I would say, we've done hundreds of competitions, but this is the only competition. And this was in, in the Wembley Arena, right? Uh, huge, big. I'm talking about crowds, stadium full, stadium full of people, right? For breaking. Usually you had that for pop artists, but we were the pop artists. It was weird. It was crazy. It was like, what is going on? What? For us, right? <laughs> Anyways, this had the most, I would, <laughs> it's crazy. So this had, they gave out the most money we ever ever seen and ever had as far as competition. Uh, World Championships in, in Korea, they, they gave out pretty decent. Um, but this is the first and only competition where if you win a round, right? Because it would be top 16, so you got round one, round two, semifinals, finals. But if you win a round, you go back into uh, a room where literally they had stacks full of pounds and they had the money machine going, <laughs> oh, you won the first round? Boom, here we go. And it was a couple of pounds. I forgot how much, but it was enough to buy like shoes and groceries because we were in our early 20s, right? Yeah. And 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 some and and, and maybe some rent, right? Some rent money, right? Let's just quit while rent. we're ahead, guys. Yeah, no, it was like that. It was funny because the first day was a two-on-two. The first day was a two-on-two. And uh, they had there was another massive, there were four people, right? Um, so there's two on two, two first day, and second day was the four on four, like the main competition. Two on two was more like, okay, cool, you gotta do two on two, two competition. All right. My homie from California, who's in Stalements, Frankie Flav, uh, cool dude. But he would say, yo, Jerome, let's enter. And I wasn't, I was just focused on the four on four. He's like, just let's just enter. I'm like, I don't know, man, I'm trying to save my energy and everything for tomorrow. It's like, oh, come on, man. Shoes, we win first round. Like, you can get shoes, you know, you, you could, it, you'd get money instantly. I'm like, for real? Like, yeah. I'm like, all right, let's go. <laughs> so we did first round. We did first round and we won the first round. I and mean, this is just all like, you know, no training, just on the fly, no routines, no anything. We're just doing solos, right? And it's like, Jerome, come on, dude, let's do the second round. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I was just like, whatever. I, I was just, we're just having fun. We win the second round. Like, cool, go back to the room, stacks, money, <laughs> county, county, county. But yeah, I mean, there's a security, of course, right? Like, in front of the door. Like, it felt like a, honestly, it felt like a drug operation, right? Like, yo, what, what's going on here? Why is there so much? And there's like security in the back, stack full of pounds, guys with guns, sunglasses. <laughs> it, it felt surreal like that. And you could just, I just remember hearing the, the, the money go, like, even before you went, entered the room, and then here's the pounds, right? And we lost in the semifinals, but we're like, cool, we're happy, right? Yeah. And uh, and then in, in the finals, uh, actually the next day for the four and four, um, yeah, massive muggies. We we battled Spain, then we battled um, another crew in Europe, and then we battled Korea, and then we battled another U.S. crew, super crew actually. Um, and then uh, it was a tiebreaker, and JD Twix 
he went out for the tiebreaker. And it was, I remember though, him doing the solo. We, we saw the Super Crew, um, Omar doing the solo. We're like, that's dope. And then JD came in, we're like, okay, for sure, right? For sure. So it was, it was a moment, man. We we're just kids. We we're kids, early 20s. So it was a surreal moment. And um, when we came back home, we we're world champions. So it was a, a surreal moment. It's an awesome story. Thank you so much yeah. for sharing that. That's so cool. Absolutely. Yeah, it was funny. It was fun. All right, brother. Um, right, man. We- is it okay if I um I can share some like video clips and stuff on on YouTube and and Instagram and all that, and I'll let you have them too. Absolutely, a hundred percent, hundred percent. Cool. Cool. cool man. Um. Okay. Uh, let's do it again. Absolutely. Let's do it again. Let's go for it. Yeah, let's okay. do it again, and then um we'll chat, we'll talk, and you know we we can also you know just collaborate. And I want I want to get to know more about you, man, and your process. Cool. You know, yeah. I'll, Anytime. I'm Anytime. You should think I'm about fascinated. doing a podcast too, man. I think I think you would have a lot to offer. In <laughs> well, the you break, know, it's, it's breaking it's, world. Yeah, I've done some stuff. Um, I was doing some way of breaking um, chats and talks on IG and just getting live with uh, you know, my IG cats out there, and um, I would just we would just go, and it was cool. You know, I would train a little, answer some questions, make it flow, yeah. and then bring in. You know, I brought in JD, and I brought in Ronnie. Uh, from yeah, I saw crew. some of that. Like you're on the yeah. jump rope, you're like, yeah, yeah. I love your energy, yeah. man. I do. I think yeah. it's cool. No, it was it was funny because I was in the jump rope and I was scheduled to talk to JD like at three thirty or something like that, right? And I, I hit him up before. I'm like, yo, you, you good at three thirty? It's like, yeah, cool. So I'm in the jump rope training. <laughs> yeah, top rocket. <laughs> cool. Try to save my energy. Yeah, because I was going to hit with JD, right? And I'm like two thirty. All right, two thirty five. Everybody's talking, chatting, you know, on the, you know, IG. I'm like, cool, yeah, Jay's gonna be here sometime soon. I don't know. <laughs> and like, a few minutes go by. I'm like, all right. And actually, finally, text Jay. He's like, yo, where you at? It's like, yeah, I got you. <laughs> but, but uh, prior to that, right? Prior to the, you know, because that was um, like, you know, we're doing. I was actually we scheduled that um, scheduled that interview. But prior to that, I was actually just training, right? Just again training doing some some rounds and hey jd would hit me up the twix would hit me up on ig randomly so i, I you know how you can connect on ig right, so yeah. on live so i connects i, I it connects right and he's doing the same damn thing training <laughs> he's garage, out too, like yeah. i am at the same time right <laughs> so that's like the synergy that we have like it wasn't even scheduled it was like what are you doing you're training too and we started <laughs> laughing at each other like yo i'm training too <laughs> at the same time in the garage got you and so that was it was that was fun that was fun so awesome man we should get him on maybe we can absolutely one one. that'd be cool yeah yeah that'd be really dope i I always appreciate your generosity every time i see you you're so cool man i appreciate it absolutely brother absolutely anytime man just let me know and uh yeah we can do this again cool all right well let's uh let's stay in touch for sure all right, brother. All right, brother. Please. You take care. Bye. You as well. I'd like to thank my guest again, Jeromeski, for joining the podcast. What an awesome time uh, being able to catch up and uh, really get to uh, hear his story for the first time and you know get a perspective of the breaking world. Go check out his website, Way of Breaking, and 
Go follow him on Instagram. He's got some really cool stuff, guys. And uh, if you're not a Massive Monkeys fan or you don't know about Massive Monkeys, um, you need to go check them out. You can Google. You can look them up on YouTube. I remember when I first came to Japan, I knew about Massive Monkeys before I left Seattle. But when I came to Japan, I didn't realize how big they were as a b-boy crew. And then later on, I saw them win the 2004 World Championships. It was awesome to see. So go check them out. I'd like to thank my producers of the podcast, Stacy Bell, Kazu Davis, Tato Brewer, and Daniel Olson. Thank you so much. Without you and your support, uh, this podcast would not be what it is right now. So thank you so much. If you would like to be a producer, please go to the Patreon page. And I'd like to hear from you too. So go either hit me up on Instagram, hit me up on the email, if people still do that, and uh, hit me up on Patreon. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Matane.